0: Today on the Cameron Journal podcast, we are joined by Arishma Singh. She is the author of The Respected Salesperson, How to Change Your Mind Before You Change Minds. Um, This book is about the sales profession, traditional paradigms, and how to put yourself in the right mindset to um, sell more effectively, including the Innovative Thrive methodology. And uh, and this is something we've had different people on to to talk about this before so i'm interested to see um what we can learn from arishma so welcome to the cameron journal podcast
1: i thank you cameron
0: yes so why don't we yes thank you well why don't we start from the beginning why don't you tell us um who you are how you got into sales and how you decided to write the book
1: absolutely so my name is arishma I'm the author of The Respected Salesperson, a keynote speaker and an entrepreneur. Um, I'm originally from the Fiji Islands and I came to Australia at the age of uh, 19 with basically $400 in my pocket as on a student visa. Um, I'm now an Australian and married to one. Uh, in terms of how my journey began about writing the, this book, I, I never actually ever imagined writing a book. Uh, my parents are teachers uh, they wanted me to become a lawyer, so how I actually ended up in sales is also, I would say, destiny. Uh, my father had a sales background, so that was my introduction to, to sales. Um, but in, in terms of why I wrote this book, it came from my own personal journey when I got very ill and had to be in hospital for a long period of time um that happened many years ago and i have had several episodes of pancreatitis which now we know is caused due to a genetic issue and i'm being um, treated for that as part of a genetic trial but um, in terms of the issues that i faced regarding the emotions that i had to go through you can imagine yourself if you are placed under a lot of opioids and uh, placed nil by mouth, which means you can't eat and drink. Um, I got addicted to those drugs and it impacted my mind in a very significant manner. And what that led was you know, traumas that I had suppressed were coming to the forefront and it did impact the way that I was engaging with the world. So I had to be challenged and I had to find a way on how to mind my mind and 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 that's where the second part of the book comes through. Um, and then also the other component was that I was flying this flag of a, a high achiever. So I always wanted to ensure that that status was maintained in my corporate life. So um, I also had to find a sustainable way to achieve success rather than, you know, striving really hard, depleting my energy and then going back into the hospital and coming back. So a new solution had to be found so i found that solution and what this book is about is um, not just the what but also the how so i'm providing a lot of exercises in there that i had tried for myself there's a lot of research in there as well both external research as well as the interviews that i conducted with um, numerous different different types of stakeholders in the corporate world as well and then also there is a A tool that is provided as well alongside exercises so that if anyone that's reading the book can implement it in their life because there's an app in there, there's a quiz as well. So it's a holistic solution that I wanted to provide because it took me quite a long time to work on myself and also find something that people can use to achieve sustainable performance without compromising their emotional well-being.
0: Very nice, very nice. Well, that is what a journey. Who knew all that island living would give you pancreatitis? Like, <laughs> that's essentially a genetic thing. It's like these people have been living in an island eating fruit and being accosted by coconuts for thousands of years, <laughs> but the pancreases go bad. Who knew? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's quite interesting, uh, because no one in my family has this, yeah. Um, so it would have actually skipped a few generations, and um. It it what it essentially is actually missing a a protein gene from what I can understand without being a doctor, right. and um, it it's it's something like in your body when one part doesn't work it actually impacts several other parts, so it has been a trial and error journey for me initially when I was being diagnosed, I was being treated differently as well so. Over the years, medicine has actually um, advanced technologically as well. So now you're able to pinpoint what exactly is wrong. So my blood test was actually taken and analysed for six months in Perth to be able to find out which DNA strand and what issue was the the factor, because it was abnormal. My results were quite abnormal. But what was actually also impacting through that was I was getting autoimmune conditions too. So Mm -hmm. it was you know, if you think about the medical field, how do you treat this symptom versus that symptoms, et cetera? So you needed to go back into the cause. Similarly, I wanted to make sure that from a mindset perspective, rather than treating the symptoms, you actually focus on the cause of the cause of non-performance. So I'm applying basically what I've learned from my own personal life and my medical journey, my, my work experience into something that can become a bit more tangible for people to consume
0: no absolutely and ain't that the way how it how it starts i i recently had a bunch of um genetic testing done for um, several several things i was diagnosed autistic and ADHD two and a half Mm -hmm. years ago almost three and Mm -hmm. um And the person who did that was best medical professional i'd ever had and uh and she you know really was kind of treating the whole body so she was running around looking at all at all sorts of things and we were making sure i didn't have certain things and all this sort of thing um Mm. and um so yes and i'm i'm in medical stuff i'm always a big fan of don't treat symptoms treat underlying causes, because otherwise you will, you will spend your whole life chasing symptoms. But if you never actually solve the problem, then you're never going to get any actual relief that's meaningful and sustainable. Um, So I, your intuition on that is, is quite good. And honestly, that's the attitude I bring to most things in life, you know, in, in meetings, I sit down and be like, all right, this isn't working. What's What's the actual problem? Because sometimes we look yeah. at, you know, especially I, I do, I, I've spent most of my professional life working in sales support and marketing. And so when something mm-hmm. isn't working, a promotion isn't catching, something isn't selling, I immediately sit down and be like, what's missing? What aren't we yes. doing? What yeah. is... uh what is the real problem here? You know, do we have a mm. pricing problem? Do we have an audience problem? Um, in the early days of this podcast, I had an education problem. People didn't know what podcasts were. Way back in 2014, <laughs> when I started this, yeah. you know, people had no clue. You know, people weren't used to necessarily going onto YouTube and watching something like this. This is extremely common now, but nine years yeah. ago when I started doing it, it, it wasn't. Yeah. And so, it, a lot of it was educating people to be like, yeah, you know. The app came free with your phone. Let's check it out, you know, sort of thing, and 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 go from there. So if if someone is looking at their uh at their at their sales process, why don't you tell us about your Thrive methodology? Let's get into that because yeah. there's lots to talk about there, and that's when people are going are going to want to read more. So why don't you give us a little bit about that and and how it can fix up your sales process?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I I want to touch on also what you have actually just just profoundly shared in here, Um, because if you think about uh, your journey as well in this diagnosis perspective, a lot of people are going through that now that, you know, ADHD, I would say nine years ago was a stigma. I've been with people that had that. but. Neurodiversity wasn't a concept back then. People didn't appreciate that you have this capability. That's your strength, not a mental condition that you need to think of as a negative trait. So that's that's a a very key concept that is actually explored in the book as well. Because I talk about different sales personas. People tend to kind of put salespeople in one little box, and they're like, ah, you know, when I meet them, I'm just going to feel icky and they're going to take my money and they are like sleazy people and they're all going to lie. So there's actually just putting people in box and I don't believe in putting people in boxes. And um, uh, similarly, when you know, you're going into medical trials or any type of assessment. When I first went in and I had pancreatitis, the the simple explanation that everyone was giving me was maybe because you're an alcoholic. I wasn't an alcoholic, but I was a young girl, so you yeah. know it's a, it's it's just this whole idea of how perceptions are. So similar to that, the sales industry is plagued by perceptions and myths and stereotypes. And uh, what I've done in the first few chapters is breaking all of those barriers that actually is put in there because. Do we actually go and tell people when we're going to a barbecue? Hey, I'm in sales because I'm so proud of it. No, people want to run away from sales and politicians. So if somebody actually does ask you who you are, um, people tend to make fancy titles. Oh, I'm a, uh, you know, a client relationship manager. So that Mm -hmm. hides the sales component to it, right? Um, Right. So I, I, I just feel like that. Why are we hiding behind something that we're doing as part of our job that's just who we are if we have a health condition that's who we are there's no need to be ashamed about it so if we can remove that stigma first and operate from a place of authenticity then real connections can actually occur so the thrive methodology is there to work through and i'll just go run through it is um, T stands for timeline and thoughts. How long have you been carrying that thought? And that's not just your conscious thought, it's also your subconscious and unconscious thoughts, because, you know, we are running through a cycle of repetition in our mind all the time, where 80% of the thoughts that we do have is negative. So then from there, we move into our habits and um, looking underneath the habits of like, what is what are the habits that we know of? And what are the habits that we don't know about? So again, the, I'm looking at the mind from all areas. Um, from there, we I go into reason. So in psychology, there's a concept called rationalization. So we tend to actually explain or justify what we're doing, even though deep down we know we shouldn't be doing that, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so those are the excuses that we make. And the I stands for three areas. It's um, instinct, impulse, and imprints. And they fall under the banner of intuition. A lot of people will say, "I listen to your intuition," but what is intuition really? So I break it down into those aspects, Um, and and the imprints part is really important. So you touched on, like you know, like Fiji people. Um, Why would we actually have a uh, an issue like pancreatitis when we're drinking coconut water and having? um, (laughs) uh, I would say, you know, (laughs) um, fruits. But think about the people that actually did come to Fiji, um, who are from my background. I'm I'm an Indian. Um, our the ancestral story is such that we were brought to that country, um, you know, and it wasn't a a choice that we had made for our lifestyle. So the my ancestors. I'm African journey...
0: American boy. Do not understand that we also were Absolutely. packed up and shipped wholesale? <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. So. While I haven't lived like that, I mean, I love, I'm a Fiji Islander. I'm proud of that, but my my ancestral journey is such that there's some imprinting in there. My, great, my grandmother had certain, I would say, biases based on her bringing, which has been infiltrated through to me as well. So when I came to Australia, I was looking at myself from a place of lack, a bit of an inferiority complex, right? that I'm a woman of colour, I'm not supposed to be getting the same equality when I'm actually going for um, job promotion. So the way to achieve that is, you know, burn yourself, basically break your back in doing like proving yourself to the to the extreme that that didn't need to occur. You know, not every human being that I came across in my work life were perceiving me like that. Some people don't even look at me as a woman of colour. You know, I'm, I'm an Aussie. So it is my own imprinting that actually had, um, I would say formed certain ways in which how I related to people and that needed to be dealt with. Then I go into the values. So uh, this is an interesting one because, you know, um, if you think about money, the value that you actually associate to it, um, it's not just your own, it's also passed on from the society that you, come up with and what words are you hearing as a child as well? So, you know, in my home, coming from humble background, so money doesn't grow on trees is a common, common value that was there. You have to earn for it. And and so there's also the idea that, you know, people that actually are rich, they're filthy rich. So do I want to be filthy rich Um, or, you know, or do I think that, no, it's just a In exchange of the service that I'm providing. So unconsciously, we start putting some barriers to our success as well, because it's good to work hard and it's good to get by. But if we want to be rich, then we don't want to be filthy rich. So already you've placed a barrier in your mind that you can't be that, because if you are filthy rich, then your own community is not going to accept you the way that you want to be accepted. So that subconscious uh, patterning has to be worked through as well to understand really what's your true value because what you might have gained from your surroundings might not fit now. So uh, I call that um, falling under the area of personal branding, which in sales is extremely important because if you're differentiating yourself from, you know, competition, you need to know what you stand for. And the last component, E, is for emotions and energy. So think about people that are just coming into a room. You know, you don't know them. They have an aura about them. You're attracted to and they have this magnetic appeal. You just don't know why. Other times you might go into a meeting and, oh boy, you're just drained out and you don't even know why. They've just become the energy vampires that have sucked the energy out of you. So how are you coming across? in a sales relationship and a dynamic? What are your emotions that you're either expressing or hiding? Um, There's a whole plethora of that that's um, uh, basically covered in that particular chapter. So if you follow through that Thrive methodology, essentially what you're doing is working quite deeply into your own psyche. And then you're able to understand how do you want to come across in your sales engagement from an authentic place, not from a fake place, and the minute you actually change that, you're differentiating yourself from other people, and people actually want to deal with you. They don't. They don't think that you're icky and yucky, and you know, let's run away from this person. So that's the that's the narrative that I'm trying to change here.
0: No, definitely, definitely. Um, <clears throat> what what are some of the things that you have uh, have sold in your life? I've mostly only sold myself i very rarely sold other things for other people i mean i just, i take that back i have sold collectibles and comic books and all sorts of things like that but <laughs> in business i tend to have mostly been been selling selling myself so what are some of the things you've sold
1: <laughs> if you're thinking about me as a child i was very good at making sure that i was asking all family members to give their you know beer bottles to me, so that I can take that and sell it, clean it and sell it. So that's how my I was. I was begin. yes.
0: I I also was was that kid. I grew up in Denver, which is high altitude, cold and snowy. And yeah. every uh, every time it snowed, which when I was a kid was sometimes multiple times a week i knew all the houses that never shoveled their walks and driveways and guess who was mm-hmm. there with a shovel and willing to do the work for a modest fee <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah 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 that so. entrepreneurship um definitely was there you know negotiating with my father to say can you give me your team's uh, soccer um you know he, he was actually a soccer coach as well so all of the dirty clothes that so i'll wash it at this rate so uh, it's it's kind of I think like I'm a natural negotiator but <laughs> in terms of my career life um, I have been selling software as a service so I'm in technology sales yes. and I have worked for um, industries that span in both HR and then data area as well so technology sales tend to take quite a long time to implement as well so it could arrange anywhere from three months to a year so they're quite complex solutions and the type of uh, clients that i work through are your major banks so you can imagine you know dealing with the c-suite and gms of the world um that's what my and the army of lawyers for
0: banking regulations <laughs>
1: yes
0: <laughs> yeah
1: absolutely yeah.
0: yeah no that's 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 fascinating that's always i, I always enjoy hearing about sort of this big because cor- i've never been big corporate I graduated mm-hmm. in the 2008 recession and the uh, the message from corporate America was quite clear from a very young age, they were not interested. So I have spent my life on and out on my own working with small and medium-sized businesses and creating my own mm-hmm. stuff like Denver Fashion Week mm-hmm. and magazines and media and all this type of thing. So I always love people who do the big corporate thing because not my world at all. Um, yeah. What is... Uh, what what do you think led you to be so successful in that environment?
1: Um, I, I think uh, because my parents were teachers, they had this discipline in inculcated so inculcated in me, and um, think about the child that wakes up at four a.m. in the morning, um, mm. every day to study for that particular day and prepares themselves, um before the term starts during their holidays for the next year. So that's the kind of discipline that I had, because my mother was a teacher. teacher. She always believed in timetables. So that practice had already been kind of in me right from the beginning. I, I was one of those students that actually did really well, um, you know, with the, was the ducks of my primary and high school, even in university, the same kind of discipline. But it also meant that I thought that was the only way, of doing things, which is like work really hard, longer the I the longer hours I work, the better it is for me to do well. So while my my success was attributed to what I call the strive mentality, which is uh, you know mm-hmm. I talk about the three different mentalities here. One is the survive, which are people that are like, oh my god, how do I survive? You know I. I always thought that, no, I won't have problems with survival. I just had problems of making sure that, how do I sustain my success? So I thought that the strive mentality was like, go, 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 never stop because it's coming from a place of lack. And thrive is my personal journey of shifting from the the strive to the thrive um, area. And when I say thrive, think about, you know, your mind garden, if you are actually taking out the weeds out of your mind garden and you're nurturing it with nice water, sunshine, love. It naturally has no other way but to blossom. But if you're making that particular mind garden, like forcing it, and telling it, you're doing this wrong, you need to do this, da 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 and you have to work extra hard, it's not going to flourish. Similar concept is what now I've applied into my work life, which is I don't work. Out of my work hours. I make sure that I have breaks designated. I also have learned that I no longer need to prove myself and think that I need to take on all of the responsibilities and make sure that I need to do this alone because that is a noble way of doing it. No, I've, I've kind of started understanding that I can delegate specific tasks to people, ask them for help, carry them along in the journey of success so that it's not my success it's actually a team success whereas previously i think i just thought that if i did all of the hard work then i will get the kudos for it right um that's not working it's not sustainable (laughs) no when you're
0: the person who works hard guess what they do they send you all the hard work to do (laughs) learned that one the hard way myself yes (laughs)
1: yes 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 so I think it's it's with my, what mindset you're in, right? If you are unconsciously thinking that I know, I mean, yeah, give me all the hard work, give me everything, treat me like crap, I'm your doormat, hello, come here, then that's what's going to happen. That's that's exactly the, the area you're going to be and you'll continuously work hard to get that dime. Whereas if you're in a, a completely different mindset where you think I'm actually doing this for a bigger purpose, there are people that can be a part of my tribe that can help me and i can help them there's a in the old sales tales i i felt like people did not actually share knowledge as well but you know like now youtube is a great way like people are sharing their knowledge and the ones that share their knowledge are the ones that are successful of course previously there was this whole idea of like i'm going to hog all of my secrets and <laughs> the best ways of actually performing And, uh, you know, if I do that, then that's just exclusive to me. No, um, the world has changed now. So if you are, again, and that's about value alignment as well. Is sharing is caring or, you know, are you in this like capitalism mindset that no, I'm just going to kind of take, 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 take and not give back. So all of that has to be worked through in order to be successful. And my main thing was I knew how to work hard. I just did not know how to stop. So funny enough, now having a a better way of dealing with, when I see that, okay, I'm having some issues right now, I'm calling this senior exec, and what is it that I'm actually feeling in my body that is not in sync? And that's that moment of pause and reflection that helps me to refine myself again and then execute from a place of true confidence not from a place of fear of rejection not from a place of anxiety that if i didn't get this then oh my god i can't pay my bills so just changing that and tweaking that mindset just has made me like a machine without even burning my my entire body
0: no that's i think there's and I, I it's funny you should be talking about this because that's kind of the transition place that I have hit, although with none of the type of success that you I'm sure have had um of I've always been, you know, hardworking and industrious and the person who can get the seemingly impossible thing done. And that's the bulk of what I've done for businesses. They come in with this impossible problem no one knows how to solve, and then I solve it for them. Um, and uh, um, in, in the corporate world, people get paid a lot of money to do that sort of thing. That This has never mm-hmm. come my direction. But um, I am getting to the place in my life and part of it is age. I am not 25 anymore. I'm 35 of trying to get to a place where it's not all about doing the most, working the hardest, doing what everybody else won't do sort of thing and trying Mm -hmm. to find a different, a different way forward in how I do things. I don't know what that looks like yet because we're still Mm -hmm. not there. Um, but, uh, that that is, I've kind of hit that point where I'm ready to shift into a different mode of doing things, but don't know what that looks like yet.
1: Mm, congratulations, that's your yeah. moment of pivot.
0: Yeah, yeah, but not quite sure to what as of yet because I have a to do list as long as my arm. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so how is that transition from survive? to thrive. How does one make that bridge?
1: Uh, through the Thrive methodology. So they need to actually go through and, and in the book, there's so many exercises that I have actually provided to, for them to start looking at. Right. So yeah. first of all, your thoughts, let's just take yours as an example. One of your thoughts that you've pointed out here. I'm not, I'm not 25, I'm 35. So there's already a thought process there about your age. You've also talked a bit about, you know, corporate versus um, SM uh, smaller to medium-sized businesses. Now, from my experience, what you're doing right now for small to medium-sized businesses is completely transferable to corporate. There shouldn't be any problem. But there's something there in your thought process that you've actually thought, uh, you you believe that you're fit in that area, not in the other one. Then the second, uh, the third thing that you've talked about is like how long. You know, your list of tasks are that. So if I broke down all of those three elements and then go deeper into the why, I'll find out somewhere there is a performance block. And that block could be that, you know, it could be something to do with control, because you like to do everything by yourself. Maybe you're a perfectionist. I'm just I'm lying here, right? I don't know you in that context. I'm just making up. So it depends from person to person. Right. So if they are perfectionate, then that means that they will take all of that responsibility and they'll work super hard and they will not ask for help from somebody else. It could also be that uh, a failure might be a reason as well as a thought that I cannot be a failure. You've just not given yourself a permission to fail. And when you do that, it's a very scary place. It means that you're not going to go out of your comfort zone. It also means that you're not going to try different methods. And those that actually don't know how to fail, they also don't know how to reach their full potential in success. So uh, those are the thought patterns that are first are going to be assessed. So you just have to list out like you've just listed a few sentences that feels really, really normal for you. Then you peel the onion on, on, on those particular thoughts. Then you go into the reasons. Why am I doing this? You know who's told me to do that is it me Is it somebody else whose voice is it that's actually in my head um, and then you go into your impulses and instincts to actually see okay when xyz happens how do i react what's the first thing do i do do i bang on the table and scream out or do i get very quiet and need to defend myself and just go away disappear or do i start um you know let's say Utilizing some of my addictions as well, whether it could be just going into uh, television and sitting and being a couch potato for a long time, or I start going out and drinking, taking drugs, whatever it might be. It's your impulse to not do something that you know you're supposed to be doing, but you're just trying to avoid it. Um, What's your instinct telling you? Like, are you, how familiar are you with your gut? You know, deep down in your gut, all the answers lie, but we tend to suppress it. We don't want to hear it. So if you don't want to hear it, you don't want to know about that, then you're not going to action that aspect. Um, some, I mean, like females are pretty common example in the world where we tend to stay in relationships for longer or in a job for longer than our counterparts, because it takes us a bit longer to realize that, hey, I need to actually voice out that I'm not happy. So. Whatever you are doing, you know, um, you need to actually go deep into your body, your psyche to find out the, and I call it like the first step is self-awareness. What is it? And then from there, you're going into acceptance. That's like half the battle. I like, do I even accept that this is actually happening? Then you go into self-exploration and that I call it like a wonder process, um, like a child, you know, when you're a child, Everything is interesting and fun and exploring, you of your even if you fall down, it's like you giggle and laugh, like, ha 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 ha, I did this. And you stand up again, you start again falling, ha 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 ha. So, and they are like learning so quickly a lot about themselves. The so same thing. You start putting all these possibilities out there to say, OK, this didn't work. What if I did blah, blah, blah. I might fail here, I might fail here. But it's it's coming from a place of self exploration, not from a place of like uh, um, as fear and and negativity. And then you go into the excavation part, and that's that's where your whole um, I would say the deeper dark dungeon of your life is. You know, yeah, that you don't want to actually yeah. really face. <laughs> yeah, and and then no. change occurs.
0: No, no. I think that's I think that's perfect. I mean, I think that's, you know, I think from a personal development standpoint, I think that's really the heart of of this book is understanding and analyzing a lot of a lot of that stuff and kind of, you know, and and then kind of unpacking that to figure out what, you know, what's the missing piece? What is the thing you aren't doing that you could be doing? Yeah, all, all this type of thing. Um, <clears throat> yeah um i yeah for me i never i never got the never never got the call from the big corporate types but at this stage in my career i've built something of my own so i kind of don't necessarily need that anymore although i would like them to yeah. make our welcome to sponsor the cam journal podcast um please send me your <laughs> advertising dollars um it yeah but i i also you know even in the growth of this i have i am always you know looking for those things what aren't What am i not doing what is the missing piece all this type of thing um especially as i my next big goal is to start to hire a team because i can't scale as Mm. as a solo so i've got to start you know onboarding a team um and i'm i'm my book publisher is also a client of mine and i spend a lot of time working with that team so that's kind of been my training wheels you know to get ready for that's kind of the next big transition in this business. Um, and so, but I think that's a good, you know, shifting all those mindsets, getting rid of those old narratives, um, manifesting, bringing things in a, in a different way. And I think, and I don't know if you found this, but it, people would be shocked when you shift in your mindset towards things shift, how fast things around you change.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, can I just say, I'm so happy that you actually are doing all of that because you've already achieved so much success without uh, this help and having a team around you, you know, all of this knowledge and you can, uh, you know, you're employing people and you're helping them to grow in their career too. Like that's amazing. So congrats. I, um, like I said in the first time that, you know, I never thought I was going to write a book. When I first came to Australia, also like I have, I couldn't understand people's accent. English is my second language. I think in Hindi, the idea about actually writing a book in English, I it was crippling for me. I, I, I never procrastinated in my life, but I was procrastinating when I was writing this book because I was worried about what people would think they're going to judge me. There's going to be a spelling mistake, but you know what? There's an editing team that I can use that can help me. I did not know all the process of what like writers can do to get published. I I did not know how to do it, but I needed to do it. So, so I you learned know, the, a lot about myself as of well. The Power Story
0: writing program launches in 2024. Um, I'm building a whole mm-hmm. coaching coursing program to help people with that mm-hmm. for fiction and nonfiction separately. So, yes, I mean, that is, if you, I think almost everybody who comes, and I interview a lot of authors, almost yeah. everyone I talk to talks about that. Especially, I came I came to writing because I love words, I love language, all sorts of languages, Um if i had a thousand lifetimes i would learn every language um mm-hmm. you know i could spend a decade just learning you know just in india learning hindi and punjab and that would just mm-hmm. be 10 years of my life um yeah. and uh and so uh so that was my first my first love we'll say um so i was never frightened of it or scared about it but in my process of teaching writing having writing groups working with writing groups all this type of thing that's extremely common and ironically Mm. echoing what you've put in your book it's really a mindset shift and I start people Mm. by saying well let's not think about it as writing that's a loaded term Let's think yeah. about it in a different way. Let's just write down some thoughts and some ideas in a scatter chart on a of paper and see if we can work with something. And I, I show people, and most writers will not do this, but when I teach, I will show you and say, do you want to see how the sausage is made by an award-winning internationally published author, say, Here's the mess that I start with. Where I'm just kind of like, yeah, I have a whole folder that's just random bits of dialogue, a couple names and that's it, you know, like, you know, it has, you know, I, my next book, The Sweetgrass Saga, I thought of driving to, I was in Franklin, Tennessee, I was driving to town to buy a car because my car had died, and I came up with a book Mm -hmm. idea, I pulled over and went down on the side of the road. Like that, you like that's how it how it goes, and and people have a lot of ideas about that. So I'm Mm -hmm. not surprised that you said that. But ultimately, if you can let your let yourself have that ability Mm -hmm. to play um yeah. to have an idea that doesn't work and i tell people in mean, my first novel i had a whole storyline about a private detective who was chasing after my main character and eventually and you won't find it in the novel that has been published in one awards because i chucked it because it didn't work that was a lot of pages and all this type of thing but in the creative space you have to be willing to have a storyline that doesn't work something gets dumped overboard, something changes, something yeah. ch- like you have to be in that open space to let that happen so you can get yeah. to the good stuff, you know? Yeah. So when you talk about, you know, fear of failure, all this type of thing, nothing is more plagued <laughs> than writing. <laughs> I think, I think with that, but you, you have to, you have to go down, you know, all those different ways to find what's going to work for you, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to read your book when it comes out. So
0: it, it's out now. You're welcome to that. buy it. You know, it's actually what's yeah. funny. This is anecdotal. My yeah. novel sells extremely well in Australia, and I don't know why.
1: Okay. It, it's very you I was to I, come and pay us a visit I know
0: I, I was on I was doing a television appearance down there for a news station I said I don't know why but for some reason your country really wants to read a book about a, a kid in northeastern Missouri who kills his stepfather mm-hmm. with a cast iron frying pan in his life afterwards I don't understand why <laughs> but I see all the sales reports and we're doing a great business down there um yeah. so it's yeah it's um yeah it's a lot of you know it's it's a lot but that is you know those mm-hmm. same mindset shifts those same things those same personal Mm. issues that you have to get over to do that like you talk about in your book that also applies to your writing so then so i mean that it's 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 analogous and so i think if you can break through the narratives then we can get the book out so
1: absolutely it's in
0: there we just have to find it
1: (laughs) absolutely exactly um and and i wouldn't have learned about my own barriers if i didn't actually start writing and exploring like because i never thought of myself as someone that procrastinates i was the opposite why am i procrastinating and i had to utilize the tools which i haven't talked about Um, the tool is called tapping do you know about emotional freedom techniques or tapping Uh,
0: i do but explain for the listener
1: absolutely um so tapping is um pretty much utilizing your two fingers and you're tapping on certain parts of your um, you know, face in your body and what EFD is, is call, it stands for Emotional Freedom Techniques and it is a combination of typing, which is somatic stimulation and psychology. So what you're doing is you're creating a phrase as a setup statement which starts, say something like even though and then you talk about what is the event and the emotion around it. So let's just say even though i feel like i'm scared about writing my next chapter um, and i'm not really sure why but i can really feel it in my gut right here right now i'm okay so that's called a setup statement and you're tapping on the side of your hand and you're doing it three times because what you're doing is you're telling your brain to process this situation that you're in and you're looking into your emotions and you're also tying it to your body where exactly you're feeling it so in that way it's a very good way to Express what you're feeling and also send a by tapping at the same time and expressing that you are sending a calming signal to your amygdala, which is your fight flight freezing center. And what it does is it actually calms that stress centers out. And when you're doing that, what happens is that your hippocampus also presents you with all of the relevant information that has been suppressed, so that comes to the forefront and you can start um, exploring that. And also when you have reduced and calmed more your nervous system down, then there's a pathway for your, um, you know, limbic brain to also relax and then also your frontal cortex to start really utilizing that aspect of your mind, which hasn't yet been because you've been so scared, um, fighting your, I would say, you know your primal fears so tapping and expressing your truth the exercises that are in the book and if you follow that all of the procedure will help you achieve your results faster and that was my biggest takeaway um that i'm providing in the in this book is like you've got a tool that you can apply to for yourself you have the exercises work through it and you'll notice that not only are you uncovering all of the issues, but you also are resolving them yourself as well, because all the answers are within you. I mean, Cameron, you've done all of this by yourself. So you are basically holding all of this like amazing knowledge base. And you know what your potential is as well. It's just, you haven't got there. So if you found a tool that you can somatically apply and utilize all the correct, um, I would say framework to it from from the exercises then all of a sudden you're just unleashing that power within you that you did not really like recognize in the beginning and that's how you can just lift your game up
0: no absolutely I I think that's that's quite that's quite that's quite perfect and I'm gonna have to go uh flip through to that part of the book and uh give those uh give those a try yeah it's been it's been a journey my first iteration of this did not go well and I I left and went to work for a while and paid off credit cards and all this type of thing and Mm. and then came back just in time for the pandemic to start um that was my timing couldn't be better um I released my short story collection the day lockdown started so um Mm. yeah that uh In the same month, I got my first literary journal publishing, but nobody cared about any of those things because the world ended. So it was, it was, (laughs) it was fun. We have fun here. So, um, yeah, excellent. Well, we've reached the part of the show where we do plugs. So let us know where we can buy your book and where we can find you online.
1: Sure, sure, sure. Uh, My name is Arishma and you can find me on arishma.com. So it's A-R-I-S-H-M-A.com. Um, that provides you all the links to basically free information that is there as an app that you can utilise as well to learn a lot more about EFT and other modalities as well, by the way. Um, there's also a quiz where every we all are in sales, not just the salespeople that work for corporates. You know, you as a mother, um, you're always negotiating with your children to eat their vegetables. <laughs> you know, you're going out on a date and selling yourself as a... Um, in employment as well, you're selling yourself in an interview. So um, I think that free uh, application would help the audience as well, not just the people that are in sales. Yeah. And also on that website, it goes through my book website too. And the book is actually available in um, all the major digital outlets like your Amazon, Google, Apple, um, you know, some, uh, I was, I think there's like 700 or so outlets as well. So you yeah. just have to type the respected salesperson if you want to get a digital copy or a book itself as well. And um, if you don't want to pay for it and you really want to read it, I don't want money to be a blocker. Please contact me through my website. I'll be happy to give you a free copy of uh, of the digital book.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Rishma, for coming on the Cameron Journal podcast. You've been a delight.
1: Thank you. I've really enjoyed it too. Um and I'm going to go and look at uh, all the novel and short stories that you've actually published. <laughs> it must be quite fun read, you know? Yeah. In Australia, we do love creativity. You have to come <laughs> and visit us. It's a beautiful country.
0: Yeah, I, I have been I have been meaning to get to get down there, but it's a long flight. So, especially now I live on the east coast, <laughs> it's a very long flight. But uh yes, hopefully, hopefully I'll be able to get down there at some point.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: That's all for this episode of the Cameron Journal podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Visit us online at CameronJournal.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I love to talk to my followers and listeners, so please feel free to uh, get us on social media at Cameron Cowan on Twitter and we'll see you next time on the Cameron Journal podcast.